Hello, my name is David Ian McKendry, former Fangoria video producer and writer back in the early 2010s, and now podcast host of this show, Penning Terror. Now, each episode of Penning Terror, I'll be interviewing renowned horror writers to get their insight into the craft of horror writing and the business in general from a writer's perspective. This show is for both up-and-coming writers out there that are looking for advice from professional working writers, as well as you non-writers out there who are just curious about the process or just want to hear an in-depth, behind-the-scenes account of how your favorite horror films got onto the page. Whatever brought you here, I hope you enjoy the show and that you walk away with something useful from it. And now on with Penning Terror. Whenever you come in here and interrupt me, you're breaking my concentration. You're distracting me. You're distracting me. You're distracting me. And it will then take me time to get back to where I was. You're distracting me. It's 2020 and surfing the web is dead. All the horror news you need is now just one click away. Fangoria.com is your first destination for all the horror news of the day, featuring a constant curation of the Fango team's favorite links from across the internet. You'll also find deep dives and daily thoughts from the biggest names in horror, as well as exclusive access to the Fangoria vault. Check out Fangoria.com for yourself and see the horror right before your eyes. Use promo code PENNINGTERROR for 15% off right now. Now, that's promo code Penning Terror, P E N N I N G T E R R O R, for 15% off right now. Hey, gang, on this episode, I sit down with Luke Piotrowski and Ben Collins uh, to talk about the collaboration process. Uh, you'll recognize their work from Siren, Super Dark Times, and Stephanie. They've been collaborating with each other for 11 years now. Uh, so they sat down and uh, talked about what their process is like and what it's like to work uh, on scripts as a team uh, and working with a writing partner. So uh, thanks for listening and enjoy the show. I want to talk about you know working with a partner and and the benefits <laughs> mm-hmm. of that, the detriments of that, and everything that just goes along with that. And uh, I figured you guys would be great for this. Sure, um, yeah, yeah. We've we've been doing it for a long time together. Uh, eleven years. Eleven I years. I think so. How old's your son again? Eleven. Yeah, that's, that's wow. how we mark it. We finished our first uh, collaborative feature script the day. Yeah, I like yeah. I saved it and emailed you and then went to the hospital where my wife was being induced. So wow, that that's yeah, my wife and I have similar stories of like making movies and writing mm-hmm. around children and how mm-hmm. that works out. Well, how did you two uh how did you two get together? We met in high school. Mm-hmm. I was a freshman. Well, te- technically we lived in the same neighborhood before that when we were like very we did young not kids. Know we that. didn't know each other. No, yeah. We didn't meet until drama class in high school. Yep, drama class in high school. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and we like to tell that the first time I think we actually interacted or that we can remember is that Luke had an Evil Dead t-shirt on mm-hmm. and I was, it was you like know, rotten cotton evil dead t-shirt mm-hmm. <laughs> that you uh... and it was like you know when you're in high school in south atlanta and it's you know that would have been 1999 
or something like they're 98, mm-hmm. I guess, maybe, because it was the first part of that year. It's 99 like, is my, yeah. How many people have Evil Dead t-shirts on? Mm-hmm. And if you have seen that movie, you would feel compelled to go up and say, hey, man, nice shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Even if he was a cool senior. Yeah, I was a freshman and he was a senior, so it was. Like, uh, you know, it was a bold move on my part. And, uh-huh. uh, and, and you know, we became sort of friendly. Uh, we had ended up having a drama class together and did, like, a video project together. And I sort of, like did my best to insinuate myself into uh, his company and, you know, learned uh, learned well, a lot from yeah, you, actually, which was interesting. Told, told me, and I had, a, I had a friend, Will, that was like my buddy in high school that I always hung out with, and uh, at one point the drama teacher told us, like, I think you guys should adopt Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I was the so sort of did. precocious younger uh, uh, yes. guy. When does, when does writing kind of fold into the relationship? <laughs> it's so funny that it wasn't for a while. Like, we did these yeah. video projects, so we uh-huh. were interested in, in film mutually mm-hmm. and stayed friends. But, I mean, we, we've told the story other places, but um, I ended up going to film school yeah. and to the Savannah College of Art and Design mm-hmm. for one semester and was so unable to network and uh, find other people. Like, I could, I could be accountable for my own work, you know, my own mm-hmm. writing or my own whatever, but it was, you'd have to, you know, you got to get a lighting guy, you got to get a sound guy, you got to get a director, you got to get actors, you got to build the team, and I couldn't really build the team. So I sort of freaked out and went to study British literature at mm-hmm. Auburn University instead. Wow. <laughs> Where you can be alone and write about books and do all that stuff. And meanwhile, I graduated high school and went to the same film school that he had gone to and did do those things and mm-hmm. did find people. And so we stayed in touch the whole time and he ended up acting in a couple of things that like I made in film school and then just sort of was always like somebody that I would like, you know, try to get to read my stuff or, you know, watch and we things. Exchanged, yeah. Cause like I wrote, I would write stories and like, you know, mm-hmm. prose things mm-hmm. and uh, he read some of my stuff. Mm-hmm. And he wrote a like, novel, uh, which I just outed you. A, a quote unquote <laughs> novel. Uh, yeah, a long, yeah, right. <laughs> it was my attempt to do something. Um, it was good. Yeah, it's all right. Well, I mean, it was good enough that like I, you know, continued to think of him as an authority on this stuff and somebody mm-hmm. that like. So maybe that opened the door. Yeah. yeah the idea mm-hmm. of, oh, okay, this guy wrote a big long thing. And, and I remember you giving me a, like a floppy disk of, you know, stories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's sort of that we didn't actually write anything together until I, I was out of college. I was a high school teacher in rural mm-hmm. Georgia and you graduated. It wasn't until you graduated film school. Yeah. That we actually decided to write stuff together, even though I'd been privy to a lot of what you guys were doing at the at SCAD. Yeah, because I went to I did I went to film school with uh, our friend Kevin Phillips, who mm-hmm. directed our movie Super Dark Times. So it was like, meanwhile, it was sort of building that those relationships that ended up coming to fruition, and that still are part of our professional you know working relationship now. But like once I got out of there, and it was like, well, how do I write movies? And mm-hmm. I was doing that some, but it wasn't really working great and Luke was sort of floundering a little bit trying to figure out what he wanted to do with his writing and I was like well we can kind of join up and Mm -hmm. see if that works and why not was there some kind of uh apprehension about letting somebody in on the process with you I think I mean for me because I hadn't done a whole lot of screenwriting it was mostly prose writing and trying to to do that, like mm-hmm. okay, I want to write short stories, I want to write novels. Maybe maybe I'll do that someday. And even even being a teacher with the the thought of like, well, then that will give me summers and off and time to actually pursue that stuff. Um, so I didn't do a whole lot of any screenwriting. So you were the first Ben. You were mm-hmm. the one that kind of showed me. Okay, here's final draft, and here's how it works, <laughs> and you tap these things. Like okay, that's fun. So for me, it wasn't like I wasn't giving up 
a, a process that I had mastered. It was like this was like a new thing that we'll well, we'll do this together, and passing stuff back and forth. So it wasn't. Yeah, the only screenplays I've ever written, for the most part, have been together, and you know all of the pr produced <laughs> projects and things have been. So, and that's, it, and that's yeah, actually was, a good the it, thing to mention, though. That that uh, sorry, I cut you off. Yeah, there, but like the, the the first when we first did it, the idea was almost well, we like to hang out and joke, and you know we know each other's sort of rhythms. But uh, what if I just write like I had an idea for something, just the beginning of something, and I was like, what if I just write a couple pages? I'll give it to you, and you just write the next few pages. It was like an improv game almost, because mm -hmm. you know, yeah. it was just for fun. It was just like, okay, oh wow, look, there's screenwriting software, and look, look how easy it is to like write a screenplay. And then it was just kind of a game of, yeah, like he'll send me five pages, and then I'll send him five pages, and we just kind of keep going mm -hmm. uh, yeah. until we have a story. Because we were, I mean, at that point, we should admit we were both living in like the south side of Atlanta. Like I'd graduated film school, didn't know what the hell to do with myself, moved back in with my dad was able to get a job at like a warehouse working nights. So like I had this kind of like sort of blue collar lifestyle where I would get off of work and hang out with my friends and then stay up till three in the morning and write this stuff and send it to him. And he was going to be a high school teacher. So we just sort of passed things back and forth. And the idea of living in LA or making movies professionally was very far from no, We were thought, just trying to scare know? each other. Yeah. We were just trying to like, <laughs> I'm just trying to scare you. I'm going to put scary music on. Mm -hmm. I'm going to write something and then like see if I can scare him. Yeah. Is there is there a point you you uh, find each other's strengths or is, is it kind of immediate? Uh, well, I think hmm. we... I, it's funny because I think that like if the strengths and weaknesses sort of uh, compatibility thing, I, I like to say that if I was alone, I would be writing a lot of really sloppy scripts that, you know, would have some decent ideas but wouldn't be very good because I'm kind of ADD and Luke's a perfectionist. And so mm -hmm. if he was alone, he would be endlessly rewriting the perfect script that would never be done. And so right. I think, like, that way his stuff, you know, he's, he's motivated by my energy to, like, finish things and I am actually get good scripts out of it. So I feel like if you find somebody that has, can compensate for your own sort of weaknesses, that's... Mm -hmm how that happens but that just sort of mm -hmm. we, I don't think we knew that necessarily it just sort of made sense to have our rhythms to some extent yeah I mean you would definitely always a dabbler and have the confidence to, to do things um, and so that was a big motivation for me mm -hmm. and I think just in general having a partner is a big motivation to like well someone's waiting on you to yeah. finish this shit right. you know, there's so many writers you see online it's like well I'm, I'm writing and it's like have you finished anything you gotta finish it right. and having somebody that you know is waiting for you to finish it uh helps make and it's also that. like and there's an audience as well like you said when you're first right. writing like you know the idea of like there's a reason to do it yeah it's mm -hmm. like well if like... he likes it then at least somebody likes it and it's kind of like we become each other's first reader as well as the collaborator you know mm -hmm. that somebody's gonna because that's the other thing when you're writing is like you write it and it's like could someone please read my shit and then <laughs> trying you know. to like yeah. trick your girlfriend into reading something or right. something and it's like yeah no at least they'll do that to placate you but you know it's yeah. it's you know, it's a favor. <laughs> Do you still go outside of of each other uh, during the process, like in terms of bringing other people, bringing like other people to stuff? read and, and get opinions? I think we've learned to trust ourselves and each other for a lot of it, mm -hmm. and then I think we both know that sometimes we need fresh eyes. But it's you know, it's more rare than not. I think sometimes, like when we think something's done, it's like you'll maybe have Missy read something. You know, yeah, I like to you know get a confirmation, but I don't know, I, I'm not necessarily. 
especially because now we do it professionally. So it's like, well, there are people that it's their job to tell us what to change and I'll do right. that. Like, so I don't need, you know, my friend Bob to like, so, you know, take a look at it and tell us what he thinks. Cause it's like, yeah, we're, you know, on a professional level, we're getting paid and someone's going to give us notes that we have to do. Right. So <laughs> you become your own writer's group and, and yeah. 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 And usually by the time we finish something, like I like to call our draft one is really a draft 1.75 really, because mm-hmm. it's like, it has to pass muster with both of us, and usually something gets rewritten each time. Some, you know, so it's like it, it's it's more worked over than like a literal first draft because it can't just be from the mind of one person that spews it out. It has to, you know, work both ways. Do you do you ever reach like a, a creative roadblock with each other and and like butt butt up against uh, ideas? More in the more in the past. Some mm-hmm. in, some in the past. These days. You know, we because again we're sort of we have to be united front. You know, mm-hmm. like like a marriage mm-hmm. or something where it's like when when you're a parent, like you know when you're when you're just a couple living together, you can have all these fights and disagreements. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's like oh no, there's kids at the table, so we can't argue in front of the kids, and we mm-hmm. have to present right. this united front to them. And so uh, occasionally, but I mean nothing's jumping to mind yeah. necessarily. Well, and usually if if it is that, it's it can be worked out like Mm -hmm. talking about something like we might get into like get stuck on something in like the pages like you're working on something and you can't don't have an answer and you ask me and I don't have an answer and then we just talk it out until we come up Mm -hmm. with a common solution that's usually where problems are solved so it's not like it's less common that we would be like fighting between each other about something more just like we neither of us know the answer and I remember the the scope and scale of the climax of a movie Stephanie that eventually (laughs) got made was maybe the like Biggest, the biggest fight, yeah. The biggest mm-hmm. fight we had, because that was fairly early on, and we didn't know what we were doing, and we, that was kind of the, like the very first things we wrote. We were just again like improv game, passing a story back and forth. Stephanie sort of got to the point where it's like, oh no, this is actually a movie that might get made, mm-hmm. and so it was the first time it sort of felt real. And so you know, I'm wanting to like, no, she's gonna rip this engine out of a car and come flying through the window and crush the dag's legs and it's gonna be sitting on him and like all this stuff. It's like it's just crazy psychic insanity. And then mm-hmm. Ben was like, you know, maybe we shouldn't write at this scale because we want it to actually get made and how is this gonna be accomplished? How's this gonna look on screen? And mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah, argument. it was over GChat mostly too, which is very funny. So there's, it, it probably exists somewhere. Oh, it might. <laughs> so it's like. Luke, I don't think we can do this. It's like, why not? I think it should be going to be out actually fighting about it. But. So the process is you two are, do you two work in the same room or is it? Hardly ever. Yeah. I think the one time we did was there was ADR work to be done on Stephanie that we, mm-hmm. we ended up, I came out for a screening and there was like, okay, go write some ADR scenes. And so we, I was staying with you because I was living in, Atlanta at the time mm-hmm. so I had flown out and I was just at Ben's house and there was a little bit of that was our only like old Hollywood like a Coen Brothers movie thing where like yeah. I was pacing and like you know <laughs> throwing out dialogue and Ben was sitting and transcribing it um, none of that got used in anything no <laughs> I don't think so <laughs> I, think that's I mean we now we, these days we do outline a little bit in the same room because mm-hmm. we live in ostensibly the same city and so like if we want to get something done fast he'll come down and I actually bought a whiteboard for the first time the other day and like you know we'll actually mm-hmm. do that stuff actual writing opening up final draft or fade in we use fade in now mm-hmm. um, we never do that in the same no. room mm-hmm. I, to me that's a very private sort of uh, 
I heard Dan Harmon talk about it like, I don't remember how he described it as laying an egg or going to the bathroom, but you know, it stands either way. It's like this, a little bit of both. This very private act of creation that you do not want to be intruded upon, and I definitely feel the same way. It's like I can't be think... isolated. I can't write in a fucking Starbucks coffee shop. St- I, don't, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. But I think that that also goes back to the, we were talking about the, the, when we first started writing together, and I think that for genre stuff, the type of stuff we do, I think it does benefit that because then you each get to go into, you know, that sort of meditative state and make something that then the other person has to receive in that same way. I think if we were writing, like, comedy, like, obviously, like, you know, you want to be in a room and sort of feel the energy move. Right. But it's, like, it's more like, you know, for, like, something scary, you want to get into that mode and then have that person receive it in that way, and that way you're sort of checking it as you go. And a lot of our horror bit. is very POV, and yeah. I think a lot of what works for horror is a limited POV, because the minute you start jumping around and cutting to other people, you're sort of loosening the noose, whereas you kind of want to lock your audience into, like, you are this character, and you can't see around that corner, and, you, you know, we don't have the ability to cut mm-hmm. around that corner and show you what's there. You have to see what they see and feel what they feel and sort of experience the story as they do and not know things. And so writing in isolation mm-hmm. is, you know, you sort of are almost being that character, embodying that character, and so being alone mm-hmm. I think is important mm-hmm. yeah uh, we each get to have to an immersive experience and then yeah, yeah. exchange it well I don't know if this uh, will apply to you guys because mm-hmm. you've been together for so long but do you still get those moments of anxiety of giving something to, to your partner and, and yes waiting for the feedback and, yes yeah <laughs> no it's totally yeah there's, there's a pretty big exciting project that we have and i wrote like a, a scene for it because i just couldn't wait it's like i just want to try this scene and like see how this and then like send it out mm-hmm. and like man i hope, hope that's as good as i think it might be yeah. <laughs> and i don't know and and it is it is weird because it is as as good as it is to have a partner waiting on stuff it is sometimes an extra hurdle of mm-hmm. like well i gotta convince I gotta convince Ben yeah. first mm-hmm. before I can even try to convince this producer or try to convince this executive and try to convince this director. Like, you know, one idea that I have that'll be like a pet idea has to get through so many people before it could ever potentially even see the light of day, mm-hmm. you know? And it is just, it is one extra thing of like, okay, this is the first, <laughs> the first boss mm-hmm. I have but to defeat. We probably agree more often than not these days. Though, I think I so. Think. I think, yeah. you know, your brains sort of become, I mean, it is like a marriage or something. I mean, your brains do, you, you know, like how old people have married a long time sort of dress alike, you know, it's kind of mm-hmm. like we start to think alike. And I think it's more common now that our ideas are more or less approved by each other. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe not. I'm trying to think of the last time we really disagreed on something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's been a, been a crazy year. Yeah, I know when my when my wife and I collaborate on writing, we always say that if we if we don't really argue about something, like usually the things that come out of our biggest arguments are probably our best work. Mm-hmm. I don't I know if the same applies for you guys. There, well, we we had what I mean. We don't say it as much these days, but this sort of like idea of like third idea being better than first idea mm-hmm. that it's like well first idea is just like the first impulse second idea is a reaction to the first idea and third idea is where you're starting to get into the deeper kind of i don't know grooves of something and that that we can sort of shorthand that with each other like we'll be pitching ideas and go like okay well here's this well that's what's the what's the third step from that like how do you get to the really interesting shit and yeah mm-hmm. you know that's a common thing but i think it just happens so fluidly now that yeah i don't think of it that way but it is it's not like we're just like this okay, good go it's like but back and forth back and forth back right. and forth that's the idea now mm-hmm. you know now is this a process that you'd, you'd highly recommend like 
for other writers mm-hmm. to, to get into, to, to find somebody they can work with? And I don't know how people do it on their own, honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can imagine it, but I think it's... I mean, you make more money if you do it alone. <laughs> but that's only if you can if only if you can work at a level that'll get you money. I mean, that's the mm-hmm. thing I think that like we are really productive because there's two of us, but we also have to be because there's two of us and I think, you know, I don't know. I mean, I I feel like a lot of it's my friends are jealous. It's such a personal thing. Way, but yeah. Yeah, I it just which works. I I mean, I have a hard time sort of with the writing advice thing. I think I think it was Stephen King. Maybe it was Neil Gaiman. One one of the gut writers that I, you know, definitely revered uh, as I was getting into all this stuff was you know, I, the advice was just read a lot, write a lot, and finish stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And beyond that, it's sort of like it has to be what works for you. And yeah. so for some people, you know, fighting is necessary mm-hmm. to like get mm-hmm. the idea. For some people, just I don't know, just casual conversation. Like, what do you think about this? And, you know, like. Um, you know, it works. Some people could never write alone, and some people could never give up any control. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so that is, I, it's hard true. to say about what I'd recommend, but but I do. Yeah, I think it's worth. I think, I think it's definitely, definitely worth benefits. a shot. I think it's. I think like if you find somebody you connect with, and you think it's a thing, and you both want, it's like it's worth trying to and seeing rather than not, rather than assuming it needs to be done alone. Was pretty incredible, and I'd love to do more of is just the way they do writers' rooms, like on a TV show, writers' room. And so we've been in a in a couple mm-hmm. room situations, and that's just where you have a whole you know six people, and you're breaking a story and talking about ideas together, and then one person will eventually go off and write that story. Mm-hmm. And like to me, that's really exciting because it's very collaborative. But then ultimately, you're accountable for your own work of like, okay, I'm the one who has to make this work. But some of the harder work and the creative work has been done and informed by other people. So it isn't an insular thing. Mm -hmm. So I definitely grew up, you know, I didn't play sports. I did drama, so I was in plays. Um, But I could never play an instrument and I couldn't be in in bands. Mm -hmm. And so the idea of creating something as a group as a team and the camaraderie of that is something I always kind of longed for mm-hmm. and wanted. Um, you said you, you did acting first. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I, that always fascinates me. The, the going from acting to writing, how do you feel that, that, that informed and helped your writing? Well, I wasn't ever an actor. I mean, I was He's a, a really high good actor, stage no. actor and I was in <laughs> two of Ben's, uh, student films mm-hmm. at school. And I, desperately wanted a cameo in our movie that uh, we just finished shooting on for SAG reasons and I was unable to do that. One um, of these days. Yeah, one of these days yeah. I'll get back, I'll get my cameo. Um, mm-hmm. But I think having wanted in high school to be an actor and that being one of the initial things that I wanted to do and doing improv comedy shit and stuff like that, I, that is actually a huge part of my writing because I've, I've say every line of dialogue Mm -hmm. uh and what i'll typically do is think of a scene okay here's what has to happen in this scene and i'll take a walk and basically talk out myself and you know Mm -hmm. pretend to act out the different parts and Mm -hmm. think of the conversation and like almost as an acting exercise sort of be the characters and then okay i think i got it run back home quickly transcribe that scene down and then like read over it again sort of again saying it out loud seeing how it feels seeing how it sounds portraying the different parts and that i think kind of helps imbue at least for me the scenes with emotion and a sense of rhythm that sometimes is difficult to communicate to a director actor but it feels 
real and I you know so I think I do bring a lot of acting to my writing for sure yeah now my bachelor's is in my first bachelor's was in uh, theater and acting oh, too and so yeah it's 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 a great little like tool like especially you read a lot of scripts I would I would assume and we do I probably need to read more but I, it's just because you know it's the thing of like where you work at the movie theater and it's like yeah. I don't want to fucking eat popcorn ever again <laughs> you know <laughs> so, like... yeah. so um just going by mm-hmm. your films, they they feel like they come from a a, a personal and emotional mm-hmm. space for you guys. Sure. Um, working together, uh, how do you tap into that personal space? Um, I think that's a good. How do I answer that? That's a good question because I I think I mean obviously something where whoever has the first idea for something, it's probably going to be you know specific to that person. Like I mean, the first script we ever wrote together was inspired by the like a feeling I had like I was in like a sort of long distance relationship and it was like oh like my biggest fear was like what if I get that 4 a.m. phone call that like something's wrong and I'm four hours away and like I don't know if I can't go help and it was like this anxiety of like what would happen if I got a phone call at four in the morning from my girlfriend like and freaking out and that was just like I was like that's a good beginning of a movie and so that was a personal mm-hmm. fear that I had that mm-hmm. I wanted to sort of like you know we turn and I so I told Luke about it and he was like you know okay but what if it's not a boyfriend girlfriend what if it's two sisters mm-hmm. I was like okay that's interesting and then so like so so it's like you come from a personal place but then like maybe making it into something that we can both kind of put ideas and feelings that right. we have separately into the thing and sort of find common, you know, I don't know, anxieties or emotional touches and stuff, but it's never like a one-to-one. It's never going to be like, I'm like, I mean, I would never write a movie about a 35-year-old screenwriter anyway. Exactly. So we ne- yeah. we're ne- neither of us are ever going like, here's a reflection of me exactly. It's always like, how do I do a proxy version of myself? And then how do we kind of And I think that that's good. That. I think that that protects it and makes it more universal because you do see a lot of young artists and it is just, all oh, I can only relate to somebody who is exactly in my circumstances and looks and is exactly like me and mm-hmm. and we sort of are able to break that because of there's two of us and then the other thing i think is just being friends and being friends since high school yeah you sort of you know in high school and you you have your buddies sleep over or whatever and you have those like sort of like hey ben are you still awake <laughs> like I'm going to share some deep thoughts with you right now. And yeah. and you're sort of opening up. And so there there is that sort of dialogue that you kind of have with that person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And writing is that process. So there's a little bit of when I think you're screenwriting and it's some of it's probably even subconscious, but just like knowing that your friend is going to read it, there's a little bit like, well, I'm going to, sh- I'm going to share a little bit of myself here because I want somebody to see it. And this is somebody that I'm comfortable letting see that and it's going to be sort of veiled and it's coming out through the work and it's coming out through the story but you're you're putting yourself out there and you know that there's somebody else that's going to be receptive to that beyond a larger audience there is an active communication that's going on mm-hmm. so that i think allows to draw out some personal stuff mm-hmm. but you, see, you think uh, adapting it kind of uh, eliminates the concern for treading too carefully on somebody's and being too protective or yeah. of your own you know, if you're just writing yourself, you're going to make yourself look a certain way. Right. You know, it's like, well, this is, I, I don't want him to be the bad guy. Like, if you're writing an argument that you just had with somebody and you're trying to get it out and you're just like trying to make yourself look like the hero, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, if it's too close to home, you're not going to be able to actually write. You're going to mm-hmm. be just, I don't know, uh, it seems more masturbatory. Mm-hmm. But Well, yeah, I, and we probably save each other from each save each other from the most embarrassing potential impulses we could have like yeah like if you were to do something that Mm -hmm. 
alone, you would just not realize you were talking about yourself in a way that, you know, a third person would pick it up and be like, oh, that's just a self-justification. Like, we would be able to prevent each other from doing that or something. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, is this something you'd like to see more and hard, more of uh, a, the personal touches or going deeper into the story? Yeah. 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 I think I think that especially, I mean, I think genre is great. In the genre outside of us, you mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that a lot of, I think when people are fans of genre, it's easy to to think that the only way to do it is to imitate things that you you've seen before and that you like and i think that the impulse to try to put personal things into there feels like an extra thing it's like oh we all love to see michael myers like killing people like that's what those movies are like the thought of putting you know your own personal anxieties that are are more than just the fear of being murdered by somebody you know it's Mm -hmm. like there's like the things that are going to pull people in are the things that feel relatable and those are the things that are specific to you as a person, not imitating other movies. And I, I do think that the genre works really well when it comes from a personal place. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to have the objective genre stuff no matter what. If it's a good horror movie, it's got to be a horror movie. But I think that having the personal stuff can only really make it better. I don't know mm-hmm. that, what do you yeah, think? no. It's, I mean, it's a delivery system. Mm-hmm. Horror is a delivery system. It's, like, it's, not, it's not the end, it's the means. So yeah. you're, you're using horror to tell what? You're not just using horror to horror. <laughs> you are right. you are trying to communicate something, and this is the this is the device you're using to get that across. Um, so yeah, and that's that's the thing. I you know, and I think like I tweeted it at one point. And, you know, it's just like the movies that you love already exist. So your job is to understand why you love them, and take those pieces and build something new out of what your understanding is of what mm-hmm. you love. And I think so often it becomes this, you know. Ouroboros of just you know regurgitating the same things over and over again. It's like, well, no, stop. Think why? Why is this resonating with you so much? What is it? And then sort of use that to yeah communicate something. Are there kind of exercises you do to like bring out the go to that personal space and 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 bring this the story out and erase these emotional stakes? I mean, well, we, we the one thing we do is we always strip away the genre because yeah. for me, and that's the other big thing is mm-hmm. I don't want. A story about an alcoholic and a story about a ghost. I want a story about a guy who's addicted to ghosts. You know what I mean? I don't, so I can tell the emotional story of alcoholism and what that experience is like, but I'm doing it with a genre conceit. What I don't want is like two like here's the one thing, here's the emotional story, and it has this genre thing on top of it that doesn't really need to be there. Mm-hmm. You want to somehow use the genre to tell the real emotional story. So what we'll often do is talk about if this weren't a horror movie, yeah. here's what the emotional journey of the character would be. Mm-hmm. You know, if you know if Stephanie wasn't didn't have like psychic tentacles and all this stuff was happening in the movie, it would just be the story of a, you know a little girl in that moment of growing up where you kind of feel like you can't trust your parents anymore, mm-hmm. and you know the emotion of being alone and solitary. You know, Super Dark Times is about a friendship falling apart, mm-hmm. and now there's like swords and murders and all this exciting genre stuff but at the heart of it emotionally it's just i don't understand my friend anymore i don't know what's happening to them and i can't relate and the terror of that so like taking a real world horror and blowing it up and finding like what's the bigger more fun horror just so that the horror is always going to be resonating and coming from a real place yeah what's the what's the approach like uh or if it's different in any way to material that doesn't originate from the two of you. That's, I was trying to think of what the, yeah, cause it, cause we do a lot of pitching on other, you know, we've pitched on a lot of famous franchises and it is, I mean, it's similar because it's like in that case, you just already know that, you know, Jason's got to show up in this at some point. So 
maybe it's even more cut and dry in that way that like it's like coming up with what the movie is like what is the emotional story because we know that that element has to be in there but it's like if if they're getting 15 pitches for a Jason movie, every one of those is going to have Jason in it, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah. you can't just show up and be like, it's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going <laughs> right. to be like the best one. It's like, no, you need to tell a story. It almost so, just sharpens that. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yes. It's like it's like we have to come up with, and we'll come up with like different ones. Like, we'll sort of loosely mm-hmm. pitch each other, like four or five different, like, what if it's about an old man? What if it's about a child? What if it's about a group? It's like just trying out different things to see what has the most resonance to Perspective. It. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So finding it's okay, if you're going to tell a story about this thing, well, what is the perspective of the, perspective of the thing? Um, I don't know if we, like, talk about, it, like, Head Full of Ghosts, which we're... we're which I was going to ask you if we could talk about. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, well, we're not yeah. on it anymore. I mean, last... Can we... T- I mean, it was announced... Yeah, it's like I mean it's for the public information. Yeah, I mean, we it's were, on IMDb. Yeah, so. we worked on it for a couple of years, and there's a there's a director attached, and and we um, and I think we can say it's Oz Perkins. Yeah, like he's yeah, on IMDb. Public. I had Tremblay on the show, and he mentioned Oz Perkins. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, well there you go. Uh, so yeah, so we worked on that for a while, and I don't know where it's at. And obviously, Oz is a writer himself, and so mm-hmm. he's rewritten us and is doing his movie, and that's cool. But with that with that book. You know, mm-hmm. it's like exorcism stories. Okay, exorcism stories. Yeah, yeah. Don't mm-hmm. don't really care. Kind of tired of it. What's fresh about it? With that book, it was well. The perspective is you are a you know eight year old girl watching right. your sister yep. go through something. So the perspective was so strong. It's like oh, that's the in. Mm-hmm. So when we're given something, whether that's a franchise or, or mm-hmm. a book, you know, sometimes it is just like okay, what's the most interesting thing about the perspective? And again, just that acting thing of really focusing on the the character element and letting that inform everything else in service of that okay mm-hmm. well this character is going to have to go through an investigation mm-hmm. <laughs> we have a mm-hmm. lot of movies where characters have investigations mm-hmm. and that becomes the real annoying algebra of it all of like the plot as yeah. almost like solving a math problem of like mm-hmm. okay if she has to have x amount of information here right there the exposition has to not be too obvious or too Blunt, so we got to sprinkle some exposition here and then a little bit there, and then but oh, if she doesn't know this until that point, then we got to do this, and so that is aggravating, but it's also kind of like that's just there to service the character's journey. Mm-hmm. So. so, when you're um, when you're in the room and you're pitching, mm-hmm. uh, is it <laughs> oh, helpful God. to have the ally in the room with you there, or, yeah. or are you just one entity? <laughs> oh man, I mean, I know, I think because if you whiff. Yeah, <laughs> like our early pitches like... were so. Well, here's the Luke was not only is Luke a great actor, he was also a high school teacher for a long time. So mm-hmm. as he used to joke, he's used to getting up in front of a room of disinterested people and trying to convince <laughs> them to pay attention for a few minutes. I love to talk to people. I consider myself like a friendly person, and I think I'm a decent communicator. But the first I know, many years of us trying to pitch, I was fucking horrified. I would get mm-hmm. my cursing. Oh yeah, yeah, I was fucking horrified. Mm-hmm. Like. So, like, covered in sweat, shaking. I mean, like, we pitched on... The first real pitch we did was for uh, a, one of the versions of, of Amityville that they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. And just, like... I mean, that was, like, a conference room. It was, like, seven or eight people on one side. And, right. like, Luke used to be on the phone because he was in Atlanta. <laughs> so I would have to go in in person, and we'd have the phone thing. And it's, like... That was awful. Because I, I, I couldn't see anybody or read the room. So I'd just be like, all right, I'm just going to go. And he <laughs> was great. And I was horrible. And so, like, it took years for me to get my confidence level up mm-hmm. to where, like, I'm close to the same as him. But even then, it's, like, different skills. And so now it is really fluid where, like, we can kind of go in without a plan. And, you know, we've been friends long enough and we communicate. We can kind of, like, pass the ball back and forth mm-hmm. naturally. But, yeah, I mean... 
yeah, my favorite better. pitches are when we have a director in the room because yeah. <laughs> yes. we're just the director's uh, leading the charge and we can just be like the guys in the back like yeah. right <laughs> yeah, so the more allies the better if, the, yeah. if you've got somebody that like has producers too good yeah. producers will yeah. sort of protect you and like you know we had a, we had a big you know, pitch recently, and I was like, God, I really hope we get it. And we had a producer in there with us, and I was like, Oh, he's gonna fucking mm-hmm. make us look good. Like yeah. he knows what he's doing. And... It's funny how many layers you put in front of the writer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very used to it. It's um, nice, and it's got to be an extra layer of uh, of. Um, of anxiety for you too when you're you're dealing with technology and you have yeah. to do so many with the phone but the phone doesn't work oh my yeah, god the you phone have no doesn't idea. work i didn't know who i mean i'm already the one who's again like ben is better at like socializing with mm-hmm. people but i'm good at like if it's performative like okay fine i'll get yeah. up on the stage and then i'm going and like leave me alone yeah um so yeah but it was compounded by the fact that I could never see anybody's faces. So we would be you know, these people that we worked with and like, oh, so-and-so called again. And, you know, and I was like, I don't remember who that is. Like, unless you have an English accent, I don't remember. <laughs> because it's just a bunch of, you know, voices. This has been great. I mean, this is great information. Uh, hopefully it wasn't too boring. And, like, oh, yeah, no, yeah, no. Yeah, we never know. Yeah, pretty abstract. In our... <laughs> I, I really, I really love the the. the get this uh, perspective on writing just from different angles mm-hmm. and, and and you guys working together for so long. I think that's something that uh, people get just getting into the to, to business and, or in the craft mm-hmm. really should that's hear. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. If I would say if you, if you do have somebody that, mm-hmm. that you feel you could do it with, you know, I would recommend, yeah, go, go for Like, why not try writing some things together? Mm-hmm. Again, like I said, it doesn't work for everybody, but I do feel like, yeah. At hearing. least once, give it a shot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. especially yeah, you never if, know. It's, if it's your if if it's somebody that you're used to shooting the shit about. Anyways, I mean, we watched so many movies together and would just you know talk like you see something and then you talk about how that could have been different or how that could have been better. And it's like, I mean, our life now is just the professional version of all the shit we talked about right. in high school and college and stuff, and just like you know marathoning like. Nightmare on Elm Street movies and talking about what would have been the coolest next one if they mm-hmm. made you know stuff like that. It's like it is ultimately just making your shit talking late at night into a job if you can jive with somebody in that way and right. if you actually so, can do it. You know, mm-hmm. if you can both do the work, it's fun. So, is there any uh, last minute advice you'd like to give to young writers starting out? Yes, I, I, I I've got kind of a stock, uh, like a stock thing that I I get asked it enough that I I think I have an answer that I like and I think that's it's. Especially if you're just starting out, you're at a place where nobody cares, mm-hmm. you know, for good or ill. Nobody cares about what you're doing, just you. So you have to care about it. And that means you should do the things that you care about the most. Like the things that are the most exciting to you is what you should be writing. And then you shouldn't be writing what you think is going to sell because you can't <laughs> chase trends. Like, oh, mm-hmm. oh, but they just announced that such and such spec got bought, so that means sci-fi is hot right now in the market, or like whatever mm-hmm. the hell the things people think they can track from deadline. It's like, forget all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, write from like a really pure place of what you want to see, and mm-hmm. that's what people are going to want to connect with, is like the things that you're passionate about. And in that time, you know, look, I mean, Lord willing, you end up, you know, into a professional situation eventually. But like when you're in that time when nobody does care, that's where you you should be flourishing your own ideas and really building a sense of like who you are as a writer and what you do want to see and enjoying it. Like write the weird shit that like you think no one will ever want because that's half the time what people are going to want by the time you're ready to show it to them. Right. You know what yeah. you think is a weird, crazy like no one will ever make this thing. 
right now, like seven years from now, might be exactly what everybody's crazy about. It yeah. happened to us. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like you're, you're uh, always looking at a delay. So just yeah. follow your own like passion for things yeah. and enjoy the fact that you that no one knows what you're doing mm-hmm. and you get to you get to fuck up. You get to try weird shit. You get to embarrass yeah. yourself. You get to go crazy and have fun with it. And it's what it should be. Uh, I would say finish shit. Finish, yeah. finish it. Don't talk yeah. about writing. Don't get on Twitter and, and do a little hashtag and get your coffee and go to the Starbucks. <laughs> Everybody can see you and like, I got my laptop. I got my stuff. Fucking finish what you're doing and then move on to the next thing and finish that one too. Right. Yeah. Uh, you don't, your masterpiece isn't going to be first or at least it won't be that, you know, like do it, finish it. Great. That doesn't mean that that's not going to be good. Uh, I don't want to scare you away and say like, yeah, that masterpiece we're gonna—it's gonna turn out bad. No, like, but you might, you know, come back to that after you've written two or three other more things and be like, oh shit, I've learned so much from these other things I've written. That first thing that I've got, that idea is great. I can just polish it up mm-hmm. and make that even better. But you're not gonna be like my your one masterpiece out of the gate. Just keep keep doing it and have this huge stack because what that's how you know, the hardest thing to do, at least in the, the mm-hmm. Hollywood scene, is get representation. Mm-hmm. And what happened with like Ben is we had a sample. And they were like, cool, what else you got? Mm-hmm. And if you didn't have, if we didn't have yep. that other script in the stack to give, we wouldn't have necessarily gotten reps and we did, which would have totally, you know, stalled our career out before it even started. So you want to have that stack of things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's so many people that sort of feel like they just, they have that one thing. And it's like, yeah, that one thing may be great, but what's the next thing too? And so make sure that you get yeah, it done. And the, the, agents and managers, the, the agents and managers don't want, the guy who wrote that one thing, they want a working writer that's going to keep producing stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, I mean, there's always exceptions, but yeah, I think... And no writing is, you know, wasted. No. You're always learning. Yeah. So, so uh, what what do you guys have up next that we can look oh, forward Christ. to? Uh, a bunch of secret things. Okay, <laughs> good. Well, well we're, we're going to... Today, we're actually about, about to watch... We're going to see the first cut of our next movie. Um, the Night House is the big, yeah, most exciting Yeah, and that's been thing. announced. Yeah, yeah, David Bruckner directed, and we, we uh, shot it in Syracuse, New York, a couple months ago. And uh, we're about to see the first cut. And that awesome. hopefully will be something that everybody else sees in 2020. Nice. So. Very nice. Yeah, and then we're writing. Has anything we're writing been announced? <laughs> uh, milk has been announced. Oh, it has. Yeah. We're working cool. on something for Atomic Monster, uh-huh. James Wan's company. Nice. Um, yeah, it's a short film it, uh, that, that's really cool that we're adapting into a feature. And, and it's always a difficult question when I mm-hmm. ask it to writers because <laughs> yeah. it's always a, a longer process of and, and some of that stuff never happened. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, you can write, there's so many scripts that we've written that just. I guess that's not going to get made. Uh, I don't know. It's mm-hmm. so so hard to tell. But Nighthouse is made and it is coming out. We have yeah. mm-hmm. other secret projects. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else. I think, yeah. Most sure, sure. Sure. So, so where can we find you guys to uh, get these updates? Uh, we're both fairly active on Twitter in you know differing degrees at different times. I'm mm-hmm. at B. Davis Collins and you're you at... Is it Luke underscore Piotrowski, I think? I think... I mean, if you find one of us, we have each other tagged in our like. Bio, yeah, one so. will go to the other. Yeah, you can yeah. find me. I mean, we'll find you guys on Twitter. Luke Piotrowski, I'm sure I'll pop up. Awesome. Yeah, Luke underscore Piotrowski. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much to Ben and Luke for coming by today. Uh, be sure to check out their work and uh, look out for their next film, The Night House, directed by David Bruckner. And find me on Twitter at Die Dave Die. And you can always check out my other show, uh, my other podcast, Fear Initiative, wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, thanks for listening, and until next time, keep writing. 
Whenever you come in here and interrupt me, you're breaking my concentration. You're distracting me. You're distracting me. You're distracting me. And it will then take me time to get back to where I was. You're distracting me. You're distracting me. You're distracting me. I'm gonna make a new rule. In here, that means that I work. I work. work. I work. work. Penning Terror is a Fangoria Podcast Network original, produced and hosted by David Ian McKendry. Executive producers Dallas Sonnier and Phil Nobile Jr. Produced by Natasha Pacetta. Associate producer Jessica Safa-Vamer. Art and design by Jason Koslerich. Sound recording, design, and mixing by David Ian McKendry. For Fangoria, Brandon Wynardi.